Before we get back to today's show, here's a quick word from HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like try to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. And a full 360 view of every customer. So your go-to-market team can keep up on the pulse of accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain, your show for marketing-minded people everywhere. I'm your host, CMO of HubSpot, Kip Bodner. I am joined, as always, with my friend, co-host, Kieran Flanagan, who's the CMO over at Zapier, and we are doing a business breakdown today. We are going to tell you about a brand that had no business being successful. They launched into one of the hardest categories to be successful in in the world, and they're now over a $100 million business. And we're going to take you behind the scenes and break down how they did it. Today is the story of Liquid Death. Yo, hey, Kieran, it's time for death, liquid death. <laughs> it's time for water, water, baby. <laughs> a water brand named Liquid Death, which a lot of people obviously know about now, but we've spent a bunch of time researching and really trying to go deep on why the heck did this work? And, and here's my setup for you, Kieran, is like, you and I are reasonably smart human beings. And if we decided tomorrow we were gonna start like a consumer goods company, I think the last place we would start is in beverages. And the reason for that is there's, a massive amount of competition. A lot of that competition is huge, like conglomerates that have massive supply chain, logistic, distribution advantages. And then even if you figure out how to make a product, getting it distributed across all of these like grocery stores, gas stations, like random points of sale is like really, really hard. And it's like a complete grind. Horrible margins. Horrible margins. It's a commoditized product, right? It's like you're selling water or sugar water or whatever, right? It's like completely commoditized. Yet, two dudes figured out how to do that in a way to make over $130 million in revenue in 2022 selling water. Like, it counterintuitively, like, makes a ton of sense, but on the surface, makes literally no sense. Billion-dollar businesses selling you something you have free to access. Like, the, that industry is just bananas. So if you really do hit gold in that market, you can make a lot of money. Like, how long has Liquid Death been in business for? Two years? No, I think its official launch was 2019. Yeah. They kind of started the business in 2017, which reminds you, is that it takes two years just to, like, figure this stuff out, get packaging, like, actually have a product to sell to officially launch. But... So they, you say they officially launched in 2019, and by 2022, three years, they were at $130 million in revenue, by all reports. That's bananas. Bananas, especially in such a commoditized market. We would never do this. How did they do it right? So the two founders of Liquid Death are named Mike and JR. And what did they get right? If somebody's listening to this show who's 
a CEO, founder, marketing-minded person who's like, hey, I want to grow and be successful and I want to build a company like that. What did Mike and JR do that most founders don't do? Right. If all of the market is here, you have to be on the total opposite end of the spectrum in some ways, right? You actually have to go much, much more extreme to differentiate. And so like every water drink is for the most part, hey, like, fountains and springs <laughs> and like glorious scenery. Here's a clear, or, nice bottle yeah. to see how precious our water looks. And people like need it to be refreshed. And they're just like, no, punk rock, baby. <laughs> <laughs> like aesthetically and from a branding perspective, I think, you know, we talked about this in the Coca-Cola Wars where Pepsi really marketed the lifestyle because everything else is just brand water. And so what they try to do is like ingratiate themselves with a trend, ingratiate themselves at that time with the younger generation and, and try to like market that lifestyle and then just like insert themselves into the lifestyle. I think Liquid Death, where they were really smart, is thought about, okay, who are we obsessing about creating this product for? And the water is a byproduct, but what actually really matters is the design, the aesthetics, the strap line, the humor, like the interjected humor. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's that first inflection point is that, such extreme in terms of the counterintuitive way they set up the brand, the strap line, and who they were for. Before we even get into the brand and strap line, because I want to talk about that, I want to talk about it in detail. The core thing we're saying is this business worked because they found a way to highly differentiate a commoditized product, right? Like that's, I think, I think that is our, our first lesson for people. But I want to go a little deeper, Karen, because you and I talk about being different, differentiation, doing the kind of counterintuitive thing almost all the time on this show. And yet most people still don't do it. And I'd love to break down like, why? Why don't people do the different thing? Like we're clearly seeing it works. Like we're seeing with this example of Liquid Death that like being completely counter to how the rest of the market does something is a recipe for success. Why doesn't everybody do it? I think two reasons, which is much easier to do something like this at a very early stage. And so Liquid Death, new product, can try this out. If it flames out, fine. If you're a brand and you're somewhat established and you're thinking, well, I need to do something much more differentiated and take bigger swings, there's so much more downside to getting that wrong. And the other thing is 95 out of 100 attempts fail. <laughs> Going that different, for the most part, will always fail because it's so hard to do in a really kind of intelligent way that hits lightning in the bottle. But the reality is that failure rate is the same for anybody, for any business that's getting started, regardless if they're highly differentiated or following the crowd. Yeah, I think getting started, if you think about that from the outset, I think that is a bet worth making. As you go up, how long that business has been established, that's when it becomes more problematic. We talked about this before, is like you become much more risk averse as you become much more established because the downside is so much higher. And so liquid death or new products can say, wow, we're going to go be really extreme. Because the downside is not huge, right? Yeah. Like how much funding do they take? How much initial capital do they have? That's what's on the line, not anything else. Yeah, but I think it's more than that. I'm kind of pushing on this because I think there's an, an issue at play here, which is humans are emotional creatures and they care what people think too much, right? And being different at any stage, whether it's at the startup stage or at a more advanced stage of a business, you get a bunch of negative criticism and feedback, Right. And most people don't like that. <laughs> and right. I think that's what stops a lot of people. I think you're right that there's a perceived higher risk in being different than there actually is. I think the risk is actually the same. I think there's actually less risk in being highly differentiated than there is in following what everybody else is doing. So I think there's the fear of negative feedback and commentary. And I think that's especially true as you get become more established as a company. 
Then I think there's even more than that. There is this issue of like, that founder hasn't done the work of research and perspective to have a clear point of view. When you don't have a clear point of view of what you believe in, then you're like looking for a path forward so you follow everybody else. What I think, going back to the liquid death example, is they had a crystal clear point of view of, hey, all these bottled water products look the same, feel the same, and more importantly, they're for everyone because every human needs to drink water Everybody wants to maximize their total addressable market. So we're going to make all these water products are inherently marketed to everybody, right? And we are going to take a completely different approach and be for somebody specific, in this case, dudes and like kind of bro-y dudes, like for, for better and for worse. And we are going to double down on that point of view that we are completely different from that category, even down to the packaging. We're going to be in cans versus bottles, right? Like it is going to be very, very different here. And that goes into the original kind of first inflection point around like the brand, the identity, the point of view of this company, like break down for everybody watching what they really did right and what they got right. Well, this is the classic horizontal products get verticalized away, right? Like if you have a very horizontal product, someone will start coming in and building versions of that tool first. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a horizontal product versus a vertical product so that everybody understands? I'm coming at it from a B2B perspective, but you have a use case for for all users, for all personas, Mm -hmm. for all functions. So you have use cases that apply for most people who are in within a business setting. Similar to B2C, right? You are a product for everyone, right? You you serve all of the market. And what vertical companies do in is they come in and take a slice of that and they build something custom for a specific version or, or a specific segment of your audience. And that's very hard to compete against. That's why all horizontal products at some point will start going vertical yes. and charge for a certain bundling of their products. And so in this B2C example, we had like a horizontal product in water and then we had a vertical version of that in liquid death, who tried to take a segment of that water and said, okay, like, we're not for all of you. People will think this is crass. We'll think that this is like, why the hell would you call yourself liquid death? But we're for the ones who really get it, right? We're for the people who get the rock, love the rock, love the hardcore attitude for the people who go to the gym and and pump weights and all that stuff. So like, that's who they're for. And I think, what did they really get right? They were founded by a designer. And I think that's a really interesting thing. Like, we, uh, oh, let's talk about yeah, that. That's important. They were founded by Mike Cesaro, I think. Yeah. Uh, please Mike come on Cesaro. the show. We love you. Uh, we think you're awesome. So his <laughs> background was graphic design. Like it's not, again, I've not spent as much time in the B2C sector as B2B, but like very unusual to see a company created or founded by a graphic designer, worked at agencies and had experience for creating content for Brands like Netflix and Virgin. Virgin, I'm a Virgin customer. You guys suck. (laughs) (laughs) Not a happy Virgin customer. And so like we talked about this, we discussed Airbnb a number of episodes ago. The company is a reflection of the founder, right? Like if if you have an engineer-led founder, what you'll find is the company is like set up in a very engineering type way, like even from the company structure to the way it thinks. If you were set up by a salesperson, very similar, like you'll see that within the company. And so within this, I think you can really see that the design part is where they win. Like the creative. So clear. I would love to hear the names. Like I would love to have been in the meeting. If, if we had one question to ask Mike, I would say, okay, take me through the meeting where you decided on liquid death and give me the names you decided against. <laughs> right? like, <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah. Well, all right, hold on. Before, before we go on, what would have been your alternative to liquid death? If you were going to call it liquid death, what would you call it? Oh, you put me on the spot. Like yeah. names. Yeah. Um, we got to do it. 
Liquid death. You go first and then I'll think of something. I, I, I think it would be like spot. Satan's water or, you oh know. Oh God, that's a good one. I was actually thinking. <laughs> well, and I think they were intentional in not putting water in the name, which is why I'm struggling, right? Yeah. Is because they wanted this curiosity. They wanted people to go in and pick up the packaging and understand what it looked like, right? And the, one of the reasons I think liquid death works is because it's not religious. It's, you know, it's very kind of like bland for being provocative, if that's even possible, you know? Right. I would have called it something like liquid of the gods. Zeus juice. There you, oh, that is. Oh, I think it then has to be a juice company, but that's OK. We'll figure that out. Figure yeah. out how to make that work. The juice market is ripe for disrupting. It's all to like green smoothies. Yeah, because one of the things, the reason this works, Karen, is one of the things that Liquid Death got right is that people were less interested in like sugary drinks, energy drinks, all of those things, they but still wanted trend. the aesthetic of right. drinking something cool. Yes. So that's why they put water in a can, right? And that's the same point. thing is going to happen, is happening in the world of juice, where it's like people want to drink juice, they think it's healthy, but they don't like the like yoga studio plastic bottle of juice that basically is the default option everywhere. It's either the yoga studio plastic bottle or the glass jar because this juice can never touch plastic, right? They want to like go the pump only weights packaging. and mosh with their water. <laughs> they want to go pump weights, mosh, <laughs> and not go to yoga and do Pilates. Yeah, this is non-yoga drinking juice. Zeus juice. Zeus juice. <laughs> juice, but not for nerds. <laughs> there is a Zeus juice already, but it's a vaping company. Oh, come on. Every idea. Oh, no, 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 no. Hold on. It's even worse. It's vaping. It's a vape. Yeah. It's... We just came up with a brand that was a vaping brand. Oh, it's a vaping? Oh, God. Yeah, producer Darren just told uh... us that, that, that Zeus juice is a brand <laughs> and it's for vapes. Okay, well, let's buy that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, into a juice well, brand. good for us. Soon vapes will be like completely illegal and then we should just be able to buy, buy out there in a little... Uh, property for nothing. We can do it. Oh, man. All right. Well, Zeus Juice, I thought was a good idea. Bummer. Okay. But so so first inflection point is they just get the experience packaging branding right. And one of the reasons we think that really works is because they have a founder who was very design focused founder who leaned into his skills, right? And really was like, hey, I know how to do this. I want this to be a defining way that we build this company. And it worked and it worked really, really well. So if that's inflection point number one, which is, hey, you need to have a highly differentiated brand that has real point of view that speaks to a certain audience, not the entire market. They nailed it, right? And that's that's practical kind of, you can take away that to your business right now of, of what they did. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love. Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Ever noticed how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact. On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest-growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love this show because it's filled with repeatable proven studies not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. Inflection point number two is really interesting, Kieran, and I think it also applies to any business out there, is 
they really partnered and went all in with key influencers, celebrities to basically double down on that brand value proposition. They partnered with Wiz Khalifa. Joe Mangello did their like welcome video for their email subscription that they did on their website. They did a weird, like a severed hand candle with Martha Stewart. We've talked about this actually before, which is humor. Like how important, like everything is moving pop culture and pop culture is very like, you know, tongue in cheek humor. So they've got these kind of videos. It's, and again, it's all metal, right? The Godmother of Drumming plays Liquid Death's greatest And this was actually the album they did. They did the entire album of like, and they got like, I think they got like Rage Against Machine and everything to do songs. But if you actually just look at the title, this water couldn't be less appealing, right? It's like the tongue in cheek (laughs) of like hardcore rock. This isn't for you. And that's the thing actually in brand that really does matter is like, this isn't for you. Stay away. <laughs> this is for the well, people who well, get it. Go to the Death Clock video because I think that kind of doubles down on this partnership inflection point that they're really good at, right? Which is they, they partnered Ooh. with this watch company, Nixon, Nixon, which is kind of a low cost watch provider to, <laughs> you know, if you're like a college student and you're looking for a watch, you're probably Nixon's something you're going to consider. And they made one with axe hands. And it's like a complete (laughs) partnership there where they built this product so that their consumers, one, could identify more with them. It's a perfect partnership because their consumers are totally buying this type of product. They've got liquid death inscribed on the back, right? It's a way to double down on their brand equity and their position in the market. And they call it death clock. And that's what's genius, right? Is in everything they do, they not only connect it back to the brand, but what does death clock really mean? Like we all as people think about like, oh, would I ever want to know when I was going to die, right? Very soon, based on the current death clock, <laughs> like maybe tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, they're, and, and they're like, well, that's the doomsday clock, right? And so they played off the doomsday clock and the idea that we all kind of want to know when, we, when we're going to die, but also don't want to know when we're going to die. And so because of that, they were able to like get the branding, even on this like partnership random watch thing perfectly right that reinforces like who they're for what they're for and it's those types of partnership whether it be nixon martha stewart what have you that really i think were key inflections over the past two years to really take the brand to the next level right their entire brand proposition is like jokes (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) well they're in on the joke right they're clear on who they are as a brand and they're happy to make fun of themselves the other thing we should just mention in that inflection point, maybe it's actually way back to the first, is they were one of the brands who really leaned into direct-to-consumer. Yes. Which obviously is huge for these kind of brands that traditionally have low margins if you go through a distributor and you can have a much more sustainable business if you can go direct-to-consumer. That's an important point on the direct-to-consumer, right? Because most goods are purchased at stores, points of sale that normally get there by a distributor and that distributor takes a cut. But when you have a direct-to-consumer business and you have a higher margin business, then you can do the investments that they're making the different partnerships, collaborations with celebrities, right? You have the resources to actually do those. And so if you're stuck and you're like, oh, I don't have the money to do a partnership, whether it's consumer, B2B, what have you, it might be because of your business strategy and your margins, right? Which is a hard thing. People don't always want to look at that, but I think it's normally true. So I think comedy works really well in B2C. Like we've seen it extensively. And especially in social media, you saw um, Wendy's does this annual roasting on social media where they roast all of the other brands. Like you see lots of this, right? And you can say, yeah. I, I think like viewer in B2C, you can make a good case that every great marketing team has some sort of comedic writer as part of that marketing team in B2C. I always wonder how applicable that is to like people who work in B2B, right? 
because the comedic writing will make you stand out. But actually, when you start to sell to larger companies, there's still a little bit of like, uh, are you a serious company or not, right? The way I judge you is, do I think you have a mm -hmm. product for us? Are you a serious company? Do you take our problem seriously? And like the comedic writing could actually seem a little off-putting. What are your thoughts? Like, would you ever see a world where B2B brings in the same sort of comedic point of views that you see in B2C? I think it's a great question. I think comedic is probably the wrong way to think about it, right? Like if I think if we're thinking about things in terms of a spectrum, I think entertaining would probably be my spectrum. Mm. And like comedy is one way you entertain people, right? And I think every company, regardless of your size, scale, B2C, B2B, you have to be entertaining, right? But how you show up entertaining, like if you're a mass market company like Wendy's, you have to be funny because comedy is one of the, the best ways to like cut through the noise and actually be relevant. If you are an enterprise B2B company and you're selling to like 100 very specific companies out there, you can be entertaining by having clever industry insider jokes, having remarkable data that is presented in like bitmojis and funny ways where you can like kind of be in on the joke, but you're not like being detrimental to your brand, right? And I think- right. What you're looking for is say, like, here's a story I want to tell. Get that story right. And then say, how do I take a path of the story to make it the most entertaining version of that story it can possibly be? I agree. Yeah. How do you be the thing that people want to engage with online versus the thing they have to engage with because they're doing research or educating themselves on some topic? Yeah, it comes down to, is somebody going to share this with somebody because it makes them look better? That's the game. Yeah. So I was going through this with someone. Yeah. Like someone's asking, like, how do you think about building a great content strategy? And I think the one thing you could say is like, why would the person that you are trying to reach share this with anyone else? Like if you yes. could just nail that, just that one thing, just obsess over, okay, I'm writing this thing. Why would that person repost this on LinkedIn? Does it make them look better? And that's a way to really elevate your content. Like that's a really great lesson. If you can just obsess over that thing, you're likely going to get much better, much better traction online. Like that is a Hard takeaway from today's episode. Think about why somebody would not just find your story, your content valuable, but why they would actually share it with somebody else. Is a, is a right. huge just question you can ask yourself when you're making things to make things much better. All right, we have one more final inflection point that we think Liquid Death really nailed in their journey to being a greater than $100 million brand. And that is they did counterintuiting marketing tactics. And it wasn't just their influencer partnerships. Look, when you're a commodity product like water, marketing is like everything. And so one of the reasons we want to talk about it is because it's so marketing focused, right? But they did like to encourage people to market Liquid Death on social media, they made it seem like a club. And so like they're doing a contest this month to try to get coffee shops to sell Liquid Death. The coffee shop that posts the funniest Liquid Death video or photo will win a free palette of Liquid Death, right? So like, that's actually a very B2B thing. They're trying to target a coffee shop owner by saying like, hey, we're going to give you all this product that you're going to make free money on. Oh, by the way, then you're going to start carrying our product because you're selling it, right? So it's like, it's a very clever contest, clever ways that they are activating their brand. Even on their website, they have like really funny things on their product pages, like their comment section on their product pages is 4,186 opinions from randos, <laughs> right? Like, it, they're like they're not taking themselves too seriously and they're able to activate. Like we talked about a few minutes ago, they did their own punk rock album. Right. Like no brand would ever be like, well, I sell water. So you know what I need to do? I need to release a punk rock album. <laughs> you know, you'd be like, 
no, no, I think I just need to like call some more distributors. <laughs> you know, and you're like, no, 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 no. I, I need to double down on why people love us and are advocates for us. And so because of that, I need to reinforce what people believe by doing things that like help them further identify with our brand. Like, again, this is a really great example of someone who truly understands their customer. Like everything they're doing just reinforces that relationship they have with that segment of their users. They have a really cool thing. It's very like B2B. They have a country club and the country (laughs) club is called Sell Your Soul. So again, like continuing the theme of that kind of brand shows through in everything they do. That is to collect like email addresses in the same way that B2B would be a, a brand would want to collect email addresses. And, you know, it's all the same things you would expect to get the exclusive swag, the merchandise, which they do a really good job of, private shows, because now they have a whole album to actually go and tour. And so there's just like incredible things they do to continue reinforcing that relationship, to continue reinforcing the way that you think about your brand and leaning into that kind of tongue in cheek marketing. So, Really cool stuff. I think things that any marketer can actually learn from using their own efforts. And Kieran, it underscores something we've continued to talk about on the show, that society right now is starved for identity. They just want to be associated, have an identity, and any brand or product that helps them build an identity, they're going to support, right? And one of the things Liquid Death has nailed is like, oh, we know how to be a part of your identity. And you can feel better about drinking this can of water because you can share this punk rock album with your friends that this album has your both of your favorite artists on it. And like that is going to be a real moment in your life that you can go back and forth about this and we can facilitate that, right? And then we get to be part of both of your identities as we kind of build and do this thing together. And so I think one of the last takeaways I would give for everybody is understand that your audience is looking for a way to build their identity and give them tools whether it be content, whether it be products, whether that be community, to build an identity around your brand. Hey, let's say you're at your local convenience store, you're buying a can of liquid death, and you see a donation jar right there on the side, you throw your change from your can of water in there. Well, there's an equivalent of that on the internet. It's called the subscribe button. And we'd love a donation to our show. If you feel that we're providing a ton of value, please donate by hitting that subscribe button. We'd love to have you watch all of our shows in the future. All the YouTube comments, Twitter DMs, LinkedIn DMs, LinkedIn comments. We read all of those. We try to get back to all of them. It is amazing. I've been blown away by the reaction to a lot of the recent episodes of the last couple of weeks have been amazing. So please keep them coming. If you're a fan of the show, you watch more than one episode, please Donate your time by subscribing. We're out here trying to make this awesome. So so hit us up by subscribing on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And rock on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was the story of Liquid Death. Let us know. This is a new format where we break down, spend a whole episode breaking down one business. If you like it, drop us some comments. Again, hit that subscribe button and we will see you real soon on Marketing Against the Grain.